gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe here in this great hall of justice. Superheroes have to be around other superheroes. You know what I mean? That's the Hall of Justice is more about them just commiserating about their powers and less about them like actually fighting crime. So what uh what is this place anyway? Is this some type of fancy DMV? Are you kidding? It's the Hall of Justice. Seth Everett is the best there is at what he does, bub. And what he does is the Hall of Justice podcast. Go, go, go with a smile. Hey, folks, welcome to another edition of the Hall of Justice. And I'm so glad that you've continued to support this podcast. Uh, this is a Star Wars episode, sort of. Uh, we are going to talk a lot of Star Wars, I'm sure, today. Uh, but... Uh, we are not going to spoil the Mandalorian just yet. Uh, we're going to do that in, a, in, in either next week's episode or the week after. Uh, we will give the full warning. Everybody, we can spoil it. Uh, but this was a treat we couldn't pass up. Uh, not only is our guest today uh, from the Star Wars universe, he's in the Mandalorian. He was in the book of Boba Fett. But he also is the star of one of the funniest damn shows I have ever seen for for decades. Uh, probably since Seinfeld. Uh, this is a show that I could watch to fall asleep to for 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 nights. Now that I've reseen the show seventy six times, and I'm talking about Kim's convenience. Uh, and, and what's going to happen is we're going to start off with this huge Star Wars debate, and then I'm going to go off on a massive <laughs> Kim's convenient tangent, and the guy's going to be here for three hours, and I, I don't know how to to avoid that. Paul Sun Young Lee, uh, thank you so much for doing this. I. I love the how we we connected through social media, and all I can say is to see your fandom from a distance, to see your Star Wars fandom, and to now know that there is actual episodes. You had a conversation with Zeb from Rebels. <laughs> you have done all of those things. My goodness, it must be such a thrill. Thanks so much for doing this. Oh, thanks for having me. And again, I apologize for playing a uh, uh, email tag with you. Time and time again, oh, it's just like uh, it, I get a lot of requests. Oh, I'm sure you are. You're very right. highly in and, demand. Yeah, and so things I, I've had to employ my wife to help me get organized because, you know, I'm not used to getting such a such a flood of requests oh. and stuff. And yeah, it's overwhelming. So it's like, oh, okay, okay. And I, I, I want to accommodate everybody, but sometimes you just can't because of the scheduling. So I appreciate your patience. Oh, Thank you so much for the kind words. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know if, if 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 our work on Kim's rates uh, the comparison to Seinfeld, but I appreciate that very very much. That's a huge compliment, and I'll take it. And uh, yeah, let's <laughs> let's let's go all things Star Wars, all things Kim's convenience. Well, let let's start with Star Wars. Um, the the idea that you were a massive Star Wars fan, like you you didn't hide that fact. That wasn't something that during your acting career both pre Kim's after Kim's like you, you never hid that. I saw YouTube shows that you had hosted just about star Wars before you were connected to it. Um, what was that phone call? Like, <laughs> how, oh. <laughs> how can you imagine? I'm sure you've told that story a thousand times, but I can't imagine like uh, of you, like, like you, you root for people who know that they have a passion for something. Like I know my friend JC is a big star Wars fan. He got to work on the Blu-rays, right? Okay. Wow. When he so he worked on the blue that was like that was like his his moment. Like he couldn't contain himself. I couldn't believe when I saw you in The Mandalorian first. That was <laughs> bonkers to me because I knew what kind of a fan you were. All right, I've said enough. Tell, tell me what that <laughs> phone call was like. And what's the first thing after you find out that you're in it? Do you go, holy crap? This is real. No, I mean, I mean, it all, I, you, you're right. I was, I've, I've always been a Star Wars fan. I've never been afraid of, of, of sharing that. Once a nerd, always a nerd. Uh, that's how I grew up. I was always a nerdy, geeky kid growing up, collected comic books, action figures, 
watched the movies, debated with friends over the the meanings of certain things, uh, and you know, just sort of continued on into into my adulthood. And so, you know, this all happened because of Kim's convenience, really doing the show. And like, uh, it's funny with my career, I'd always never been sort of um, considered for these roles in in sci-fi shows and that's my wheelhouse i love sci-fi i love yeah, sure all that stuff but i was always being cast in like gritty dramas as like a gang member or a doctor or all these things so i never got a chance to play really in comedy which i adore and the world of sci-fi which is my jam and so you know with kim's convenience sort of hitting the hitting the airwaves and people really connecting with it and it becoming a hit uh, via netflix sure um you know it was just it, it was so satisfying so many levels as an actor to finally play a lead role and to play a comedic role and to be able to show what I could do. And then I bumped into my old friend, Deborah Chow, uh, who was oh, sure. one of the directors on the Mandalorian season sure. one. She went on to direct, you know, a little show called Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yes, that's <laughs> right. That was hers. Anyways, I was in Los Angeles for the first time ever got invited to uh, an award celebration uh, for Asian Americans in media and okay. I'd never been to LA before. And I was there and we were at the event and Deborah jumps in front of me. She'd been invited to, and she said, Paul, do you remember me? And I hadn't seen Deborah in like 25 years. But at and, that point uh, you knew that she was working on Star oh, no. Wars. Oh, I had oh no okay. idea. Cause the got Mandalorian, it, it. like I'd heard that they were in production, had no idea who was working on it other than it was Dave Filoni and John Favreau. And, and you knew uh, Dave Filoni because you knew the Clone Wars and the oh, Rebels yeah. and you knew all that stuff. That's like, a, yeah, exactly. It, this is more for the audience. Like Paul, <laughs> Paul is that deep. He he is that guy. Like he 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 qualifies. He could have been the reviewer for the Hall of Justice if he wasn't having this acting career. Right. <laughs> That's very flattering. Thank you. Uh, and I knew John Favreau first as an actor and then as a director. Obviously, like growing up in in university. Uh, his first feature film that he, he he sort of starred in and wrote and had Doug Lyman direct was Swingers. And that was like, sure. that was, that was my anthem through, through university. It was just like, Oh my God, this guy's, <laughs> I feel like him. So, you know, and, and he goes on to direct these huge hits. So I, I, I had no Iron idea Man, that was yeah. involved. And, you know, I was asking her, I said, so what are you doing? Like, what are you up to? She says, well, I'm working on a little show. I'm working on a show called the Mandalorian. I was like, Oh my God, you're working on that. I said, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I've been trying to get in touch with you because Dave Filoni is a huge fan of Kim's Convenience, and he wants to write something for you. Oh, and I swear God. to God, I almost passed out. It's like I yeah. had to grab her arm, <laughs> and it was that moment where everything goes dark, and I'm staring at her, and I said, you do realize I have at least half a dozen Star Wars cosplays. And she says, really? I said, yeah, oh, I I'm part of the 500 yeah, first. I saw you show this to the CBC. Yeah, yeah, and so this was this was insane. So that happened. Got a set visit. Got to see Grogu uh, because they're shooting season one. Got to see Grogu before anybody else in the outside world did. Um, was just like beside myself with like, I was so happy to just be able to have that peek behind the curtain, especially as an actor, professional actor, and to see how they shot the show. And to watch Deborah work and to meet Dave and John was just like nerd dream come true. I hung out oh, with the sure. props department for like an hour and a half they had to drag me out of there i spent time in a costume shop looking at all the costumes joseph poro was the um was the costume designer back then in season one shauna tripsick has since taken over and like as a cosplayer it was like i was a kid in a candy store like oh, i was yeah. able to like look through all the different costumes and see how they're constructed anyways flash forward to six months later uh i'm in toronto my agent gives me a call and she says so Lucasfilm called and I want to know your availability. And I was like, come on. Really? Oh, so really? that email you replied to. No, just kidding. Just kidding. No, no. That was a phone call, my friend. That was a phone call. Uh, and so, yeah, by then it was just like, I didn't have to audition, which was a oh, huge wow. thing. I was like, oh, they, they just want to hire? So, yeah, yeah. So it's like, holy crap. Um, so, yeah. And I had no idea what the part was, but it was an immediate Yes. Like, That's I'll true. burn down forests, I will kidnap pets, right. I will do whatever it takes. And you'll be in a prosthetic if you if you had that, to. Like, well, that's they the thing. asked you to, yeah. I automatically assumed I was going to be under 15 pounds of latex. Yeah. Like, that was the, yeah, sure, like, like do the Simon Pegg thing where he's a huge fan, but, you know, so right. they, and then they put him in, you know, <laughs> in that big rubber suit. So I thought, that's fine. That's fine. I can, I can, I can do it. 
And then I find out later on because all the character names have code names, and uh, my my character character's code name was Foodie Pilot. I was like the Foodie Pilot, and I'm like so naive. I'm like taking yeah. it literally. It's like Foodie Pilot, like. So does he drive like some sort of space restaurant? Like, what is this? Does this guy is it like, like a food eat? truck? Yeah, or yeah, something. Favreau right? did that show, Chef. That That's movie. right. <laughs> and so I thought, I thought, okay, well, is that what? Is, I don't. I have no idea. And then I get to Los Angeles, and it's the whole, you know, you go, and it was a whirlwind because they flew me in. I had to get my my work permit to work in the states. They flew oh. me in. Uh, as soon as I landed, wheels down, they get transport. I get transported off to wardrobe. They've got a wardrobe fitting. I'm putting on. It's like, oh my god, he's an X-wing pilot, <laughs> and it's like, oh my god, and I don't have any prosthetics. I'm like, nope, you just you get to see your face, and you're, and an you're gonna pilot. just wear that helmet. Oh my god, yeah, and then, yeah. So you've heard the story about the the helmet during the costume fitting, and it wasn't my helmet because it was getting painted. So they just had a, a stand-in helmet, and it was, you know, Big's Dark Lighters helmet, and I cried when I wore it, uh, and then you know, just going off, and it was just like. Oh yeah, and by the way, your first uh, the first director you're going to be working with in the United States is Carl Weathers. Right? Oh my God! So it's just like holy crap! Like I don't I didn't know how much more I could take. Yeah, right. Yeah. So yeah, it's just like I'm I'm being directed by Hollywood royalty. I mean, the man's an icon. Um, and it's my first gig in the U.S. Nobody knows who I am. I was out of John and Dave because people on the crew had not heard of Kim's Convenience. Right. That's right. why there were two and they were Canadian expats. <laughs> so it was just like, wow, okay. <laughs> and so it was this whole like having the, I put the pressure on myself because I had to, I wanted to prove that I belonged there, that I, I was indeed, even though it's a super fan, uh, I am a trained professional and I am an award winning yeah, yeah. actor in Canada. I'm not just some like super uber nerd although i no, am no. i'm not just that like I, I do have training in in the field of acting type thing of course i've had a long career but uh it, it felt like starting from scratch again and just having to prove that hey you know what you didn't make a mistake hiring me i belong in this universe i can play in this universe and uh yeah after that first date which was fraught <laughs> with a lot of nerves oh my god uh, it, everything loosened up considerably because i think everybody realized okay this guy didn't just fall off the turnip truck he's he's got a little bit of craft so let's yeah, I think we can. This can work. You Carl earned their didn't. respect. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Because Carl it, didn't. Uh, he didn't. He didn't cast me. It was right. John, John right. and Dave, right? So, and Carl's directing the episode. And usually, the directors have a say in, in terms of who they're right. But he about. inherits you, right? That's exactly it, right? right. So, it it was nice to have that, and it got to the point. It's great now because you know Carl Weathers is like a hero of mine, and uh, when I was there in Los Angeles for the season premiere of the Mandalorian. He was just like, he remembered me. He'd seen Kim's convenience. So he's even happier yeah. about that. And it's yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. Oh, you know, so he watched it after the fact. He, 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 yeah. Like he asked really, me, what a great compliment, like, right? Yeah. What a great compliment though. That's, that's really, yeah. really neat. People often ask me, how do I keep motivated? And uh, how do I keep my spirits up? Well, things are, are moving forward instead of backwards. I think every neuroscientist in the world, if you lined them all up and asked them the same question, can the spinal cord be repaired? They'd say yes. That is the voice of Christopher Reeve. Whether this is your first time ever hearing the Hall of Justice or you've listened to over 300 of the episodes that we've put together since this podcast was created in 2015, the superhero genre owes a great deal to the role Christopher Reed played as Superman. Partnering with the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation is an honor for the Hall of Justice podcast. In 1995... The accomplished actor was paralyzed after being thrown from a horse during an equestrian competition. After his accident, he lobbied for spinal injury research, and that led the man who once played Superman to the foundation that bears his name. Here's the origin story from the foundation's CEO, Maggie Goldberg. So when Christopher Reeve was injured in 1995, he was looking at all of the other organizations in the country and really around the world. Um, and there weren't that many that were 
searching for cures and treatments for spinal cord injury. And what he loved about our organization at the time, which was the American Paralysis Association, is that we were funding research. We, we, our mission and sort of theme was considered a laboratory without walls. We wanted to fund the best research no matter where it was in the world. And one of the other parts of the mission was bringing researchers together and to share information, which wasn't really something that was done at the time. Researchers you know, can be very competitive. They hold their information close to the best. So I think that's what really drew him um, most to this organization. The Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation is dedicated to curing spinal cord injury by advancing innovative research and improving the quality of life for individuals and families impacted by paralysis. We are on the cusp of a new era in spinal cord injury where real cures are within reach. The Reeve Foundation serves as a catalyst at this critical moment uniting academics, scientists, and industry in a new model of collaboration. The Christopher and Dana Reed Foundation is really the only national paralysis foundation focused on a dual mission, today's care, tomorrow's cure. We are searching for cures and treatments for spinal cord injury, paralysis caused by spinal cord injury, but we also provide services and programs for people impacted by all types of mobility impairments. So when you think about paralysis, it's not just spinal cord injury, it's stroke, ALS, MS, um, in addition to spinal cord injury. And we're here to really help people navigate their journey through paralysis, whether or not they were diagnosed or impacted from you know, yesterday, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. This partnership is not the only tie Christopher Reeve has had with this podcast, even though it was created 11 years after his passing in 2004. In the 1970s at Juilliard, Christopher Reeve was good friends with Kevin Conroy. Little did they know then that while Christopher Reeve would be the embodiment of Superman, Kevin Conroy would be known as the voice of Batman. And Kevin was kind enough to come on this podcast during his illustrious career five times. Tragically, Dana Reeve passed away in 2006, and the foundation was renamed the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation. I asked CEO Maggie Goldberg how listeners of the Hall of Justice podcast can participate and help the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation. There are many ways to get involved. The easiest is to go to our website at ChristopherReeve.org. You can also follow us on social media. Our handle is at Reeve Foundation. Um, there, you could become an advocate. You can run a marathon and join Team Reeve. You can become a fundraiser. You can help us spread the word. You can become a volunteer. All of that is outlined at ChristopherReeve.org and we invite you to become part of our family. In the weeks and months to come, we are going to organize some walks and some activities that can raise money for the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation. But for now, if you are hearing this for the first time, the fifth time, or the tenth time, go to ChristopherReeve.org, get the newsletter, and find resources in your area. I'd like to think that if we had this podcast in the time that Christopher Reeve was alive, he'd want to be a part of it. He'd want to be a part of the show. And he'd want us to spread the word about this foundation. Thanks to you, the listeners, we are going to do that. I think in order to accomplish something, somebody has to go out there and put out a vision that makes it seem more real, more tangible. One thing about season one that always boggled my mind, um, my wife works in licensing and there are no secrets anymore. Like yeah. every, between social media and, and press releases and PR people, there are no secrets. How did they keep Grogu, Baby Yoda, whatever you want to call it? How did they yeah. keep him a secret from didn't... so many people? Yeah. I mean, when you saw him, when... When when that first episode when, Mandal when the Mandalorian walks in and encounters him and it looks mm -hmm. like Yoda, yeah, nobody knew, nobody knew. Yeah, 
Yeah, well, you know, it, first of all, I think you, you're right when you say there are leaks everywhere. And a lot of leaks actually come from toy companies. Of course. You'll, off, you'll often get images because toy companies are like, oh, yeah, we're just, you know, they, it, they get leaked by accident. Like, here's an upcoming right. toy. Look at these characters that are there. And so they had, there's a reason why you couldn't get a Baby Yoda or Grogu for like a year afterwards. Right is because they they wanted to keep it so secret they said no no nice no no merchandising for this character at all and they had a bunch of people who were really committed to keeping that secret uh season two season three there have been leaks which is unfortunate i think that's a sad part of it is the fact that these things kind of the the experience kind of get ruined a little bit by that by somebody who really needs to have that scoop or get that news out there and and kind of wants to be the first to ruin the experience for for regular viewers. I mean, I do this podcast on Monday nights, and Star Wars Celebration was just on uh, over this past weekend. Sure, yep. And somebody did a bunch of them had had a chance to view Episode Seven of the Mandalorian in advance, and this this turd just couldn't help himself and jumped on the screen uh, on the stream. Oh, and he started and started it. spamming spamming yeah. yeah spamming spamming the chat yep. with spoilers, and it was like. We had to ban him and kick him off, but it's like, dude, really, yeah. really, like, who? Why would? How would you find any sort of joy in spoiling somebody's yep. experience with a massive plot point? I mean, and there are those who just want to watch the world burn and just don't want people to have that. You know, sure. Well, but then you know, there are people who are like, there's something missing inside of you. Sure. You need to be the one crowing that you saw it first. Well, sport. You know, when when we, when I created the show in 2015. Uh, it was a very, you know, long drawn out process to come up with the idea of spoilers because to me, a podcast is as long as there's the warning. Yeah. You're pressing play at your at at your choice. Yeah. You know, the, the joke I made because this was 2015, I said, you're a jerk if you go on social media and say, oh, my God, I can't believe they killed Han Solo. Right. But if you go on on a podcast and say, listen, we are going to spoil. And it was the force awakens that got us to the point of where we decided that Yeah, um, you, you actually met uh, who's going to be on next week. Uh, JC Reifenberg. He's the owner of the scum and villainy cantina <laughs> in Hollywood. Yeah. And he's a dear friend of mine. I've known him for two decades. And when he saw you, he couldn't wait to have to hear about you coming <laughs> on this podcast. Like, just the synergy was so wonderful, but JC, um, th there are moments where your jaw drops. The season two moment of that, and I'm I'm curious to get your perspective. Mm -hmm. Did you know Luke Skywalker was in it? No. And when you're watching <laughs> a show that a you're in, yeah, and you're watching it like the rest of us, and you see that this guy, all of a sudden that cloak comes off, and it's Luke Skywalker. Yeah. I mean, that's a get the hell out of here moment. Like that—that right. that was that was wild. Absolutely, and, and that's that's the thing. I mean, it, they they kept it so secret. Like, I I heard that even the actors who were in the scene didn't know it was Luke that's because crazy. they never revealed the name. They said, "Oh, uh, Dave." Apparently, he lied to Katie Sackhoff and said, "No, that's that's Jedi Master Plo Koon." And so they see an actor with dots on their faces standing yeah. in, and so they go, "Okay, it's another Jedi. It's not Luke Skywalker." Right. And, and you know they play it as such, and then she sees it during the actual airing of the finale. And she's like, she texts him like, "Really, Dave? Really?" <laughs> right? But it's come to this where there has to be flat out, you know, skullduggery to keep yeah. certain things a secret because they're, you know, personally too. Like with all the leaks that have been going on right now, I have been delighted with the fact that every single prediction that everybody has made regarding these celebrity appearances. And castings wrong. has been completely wrong. Like <laughs> I love it, I love it. You know, like who saved Grogu during Order sixty six? Everybody's got the theories uh, wrong. That right? was it's, crazy. That was crazy. Right? What a deep cut. What a great deep, deep dive into the lore. Really deep cut. That what they do is they play to the P ones. Yeah. Like they 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 take the P ones and they say to you, like we're gonna make this for a mass audience, but we're gonna make sure we know you're watching and. Yeah. The, the 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 candy that you get as as a fan uh is is pretty remarkable and what yeah. you know I, I I made I made this comment uh on this podcast a bunch I just think Star Wars is in a really good place right now yeah um 
regardless of what you thought of those those movies, when when Disney bought Lucas, movies were still the center of attention. Mm-hmm. And streaming services didn't, you know, they existed, but they weren't as prominent as they are now. And now what they've been able to do and take that timeline and pinpoint times in that that timeline, like you mentioned, the Obi-Wan Kenobi show, the Tales of the Jedi animated mm-hmm. show, the Mandalorian, the Book of Boba Fett, all these different shows, they're just as much part of the mythos yeah. as those original movies. So yeah. Carson Tiva plays a a role like you're 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 in it like <laughs> yeah you're, you're in it and you're part of it. I have and that's that's mind blowing. Like honestly, because it started off as like a, a two episode appearance, and uh, honestly, I thought you know if that's it, that's it. I can say I did this and be really happy with it. Right, right. And I'm over the moon the fact that like in season three they actually gave me a ton more to do. Sure. And, uh, you know, it's, and it, it, it just, you keep building on that. And that's the biggest compliment as an actor is, is to get asked back because they like your work and, right. you know, they like what you do with the character. And so like, Hey, let's build on this character and do give them more to do. And uh, I, like that, that for me is just my cup runneth over. I'm so happy with that. It's just an easy guy to root for. And it's, uh, it's, it's just, it was, it's so wild. Um, last thing about the making of, and then we can do, whatever you want on star Wars. And obviously uh, I'm dying to talk about Kim's convenience. Um, uh, the meeting with Zeb was Steve Bloom there. Uh, no. and, and I should note, I should <laughs> note that Steve Bloom is a veteran of this podcast. Uh, he's been on the, this show. Okay. This portion of the hall of justice is presented by hello fresh with hello fresh. You get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. All right, I have a confession to make. I am also a fan of HelloFresh, so much so that when we cut the cord in 2017 and started using streaming services, I get a HelloFresh commercial all the time because they know I'm a client. And now that this commercial is going to be on this podcast, I just hope it's as good as all the commercials I've seen on television. HelloFresh is cheaper than grocery shopping and 25% cheaper than takeout. And no worries if you're not a pro in the kitchen. I give myself a B, maybe a B plus. HelloFresh's foolproof recipes arrive pre-portioned and easy to prepare in just a few steps. They're actually easier than another service we used to use. Those meals took a while. Go to HelloFresh.com slash H-O-J-50. That's H-O-J-50. That's for Hall of Justice, H-O-J-5-0 for 50% off. Plus, your first box ships free. HelloFresh.com slash H-O-J-50. And use code H-O-J-5-0 for 50% off. Your first box ships free. HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit, and it's the number one meal kit in my house. Now, was that better than the television commercial? It's not a Luke Skywalker moment, but you're sitting there, and all of a sudden this CGI character comes over, and it's that guy from Rebels. You watched Rebels. Like, you saw yeah. Rebels. You yeah. knew who Zeb was. Like, yeah. they don't have to tell you who that character is. Yeah, well, it's funny because it's a the perfect cameo. If you're going to do a cameo like that, that's the perfect one. Because, A, if you don't know who he is, it's, it doesn't matter. it's just, it's just it another, matter. it's like, oh, it's another species just talking to him right. and you can move on. If you do know who he is, you get that deeper, like, oh my God, holy shit moment. Can I swear? <laughs> yeah. I just said shit. Sorry. But it's it's one of those holy shit moments where it's like, is that? Because I know a lot of people are like, is that him? Sounds like him. No, that's Stephen Bloom. And it's great because you hear that there's that debate. And it doesn't matter what I say or what happens in the next two minutes, because everybody's debating whether that was Zeb or not, right. which is great. Which is great. Um, and then in the in the credits, they show, they show Steve Bloom's name and yeah. they said it was Zeb. So like yeah. you know. So to answer your question um, about whether Steve Bloom was there, no, it was not Steve doing the mocap. It was another, it was this younger guy, like built, like he was stacked, 
big guy, sure. gray suit, mocap ball, not both the balls, but the dots had that ridiculous sort of cap that they have to wear with dots. Sure. Yep. Now I hear that uh, Steven did the the facial capture and of course the voice. And oh, they might have did? done that really? later on. Yeah, oh, that's, that's awesome. according to his son. He did the face capture and and the voice. Um, <laughs> so cool. Yeah. And in the script, it said Lasat Pilot. It didn't say Zeb, just said Lasat Pilot. But mm. Filoni and Deborah Chow and Rick Famuiwa were there. And I was like, come on, Lasat Pilot. I know who this is. Don't <laughs> lie to me. And they all had a chuckle. But yeah, so that was, and Peter Ramsey was directing the episode, of course. And so he's got an animation background, having just uh, co-helmed uh, Into the Spider-Verse, which is, yep. you know, good show for Sony. A good movie for them. So won them a, a few awards. But uh, yeah, so that, that was great. And so like the inner nerd in me is like, oh my God, this is That's the first crazy. time people are going to see Zeb outside right. of Rebels. And you're in it. And you're yeah. the guy in it. And I'm like, are you kidding me? It, it feels like every time I go out to shoot The Mandalorian or, or The Star Book Wars. of Boba Fett, yeah. it's just something else really cool happens, right? It's just like, you know, I did The Book of Boba Fett. I honestly thought I was doing... Uh, Mandalorian season three because yeah. it's the same crew, same everybody, and then it's like, oh no, no. Well, so did you're a lot in... of the fans. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> no, you're in, you're in the book of Boba Fett. You're in that other one. It's like, holy crap, that means I'm in two Star Wars shows. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's that's, huh, huh. you know, like get a paper bag. I need to breathe into it. Yeah. And then you know, and then being directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. It's yeah. like, are you kidding me? Gwen and yeah. yeah, and then that was the uh, that was also the gig where I got to join SAG. Which was another milestone oh, cool. achievement in my oh, in my career. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. hey, yeah, so happy about that. And it was just like, uh, like my cup runneth over, right? And then this time through, it's like with Zeb, and and there's so much more, which is great. And like, you know, just sort of sitting in that cockpit, and we're, we're shooting the scenes, and Favreau rolling in, and kind of going, "Hey, so uh, you're kind of like the Nick Fury of this universe." I'm like, "Oh, I'll take that." Are you kidding me? Yes, sir. Yeah, it's like because you keep showing up, you know. You just That's tremendous. Like, just keep That's writing tremendous. stuff for me, and I will show up. Like, yeah, that is, yeah. And so, it's special. It's the only thing I've ever shot in the United States. It's, it's Star funny. Wars. And I didn't know like, that part. Yeah, I didn't yeah, realize that. That's I've, I've done a lot of work in Canada, a lot of American productions in Canada. That's right. the only work I've ever done in the states so far. Is just Star Wars. So. Huh. That's, an, That's incredible. Yeah. Incredible. <laughs> More of the Hall of Justice in just a moment. You know, I love hosting this show, and obviously, I want as many people as possible to hear every episode. I put a lot of effort into them. The reality, though, is that podcast discovery, whether you're a podcaster or a podcast listener, is hard. That's why I've partnered with the folks at Marble. M A R B Y L. Not like marbles in your mouth like it sounds when I'm doing my podcast. Marbles AI identifies the five most interesting moments in a podcast episode and instantly transforms them into searchable, shareable clips called marbles. We've done over 300 episodes of the Hall of Justice and we feature great guests like Kevin Smith, Zack Snyder, Ben Affleck, Samuel Jackson, more recently Jeff Johns. Voice actors like Diedrich Bader, Phil Lamar, the late great Kevin Conroy has been on the podcast five times. Extraordinary writers as well. Plus the reviews, movie reviews for all the latest Marvel, DC, Star Wars reviews with our man J.C. Reifenberg. We even have a Transformers insider, my man Anthony Brucalli. Did you know we once did an episode about rape culture and Jessica Jones? Did you know that the Transformers have a huge LGBTQ plus following? We've done episodes on those. And you can use Marble to search for that content. It's easy to create and share marbles from anywhere inside my episodes on the Marble app. And as a listener of the Hall of Justice on Marble, I think it's cool that anyone can go in and be the first to claim something that's said on the show as their own personally created marble. You can share it on Instagram, TikTok, social media, and if you're old like me, you can even put it on Facebook. You can be the first to marbleize a moment on the show, and it helps me get discovered. 
If you're a podcaster, join me in marbleizing your show. Just head to marble.com, that's M-A-R-B-Y-L.com to get started. And if you're a listener that doesn't have a podcast, it's a great and free way to directly support Sports with Friends to get the app, simply create and share one marble from something said on this show that you enjoyed, not something you hated. When you subscribe to my show on Marble, you'll get access to all the latest marbles as they roll out. Marble is a free app for both iOS and Android users, so head to marble.com, that's M-A-R-B-Y-L.com, or search Marble in the app or Google Play stores and change the way you listen to podcasts. They would take my journalism card away if I don't ask. Uh, they just announced uh, a movie that's going to tie in uh, all the the wrap up yeah. of all those shows, you know, Book yeah. of Boba Fett and Ahsoka and all that stuff. I know you can't answer this, but I have to say you're in that movie, right? <laughs> I know I knew <laughs> nothing about that. That's so funny. I mean, <laughs> I heard about it too. Same time as everybody else, Star Wars yeah. celebrations. Like, huh, huh, huh. well, you're First on the off, East Coast, so it was like yeah. eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah, you know, because it was over in England and they were announcing right. it. It was all like eight o'clock in the morning. There's all this Star Wars news coming down. Yeah, people in LA they were getting it at like that was dropping five at morning, five o'clock yeah. in the morning, right? <laughs> yeah. So like to hear that, and it's funny too because Dave he he texts me from time to time, which is awesome. But we just text about hockey, which is huh? awesome. He's a huge. Yeah. He loves the Penguins, right? And uh, uh, he he like he lo- we we just chat about. I'm a Leafs fan. He's a Penguins fan. We got Matt. We signed Matt Murray, who of course won two yep. cups with with uh, Pittsburgh. Right. And and yep. Dave's a huge like he plays goal. He loves that position, right? All right. And so like for him, he loves Matt Murray. Uh, and so like he was like, hey, you know Matt Murray. And I was like, mm, I don't know. He's got a history of being hurt. Uh, unfortunately, he's hurt again. Uh, I think it's just really bad luck for for that guy, poor guy. Because like when he's on, he's great. But um, you know, it, it's so. It, we, we talk, we talk, yeah, like sure. we text and not a word from him that, oh, by the way, this might be coming down the pike. This, this... But we never talk about Star Wars. I mean, and that's the other thing, too. I don't want to be that friend. Right. That it's like, hey, so uh, what are you here? You know, I'm not going to I'm not going to do that to the guy like he's he's got his right. whole plate filled. Right. So, yeah, I was so happy. And then, of course, everybody's calling me going, oh, you're going to be in it. You're going to be in it. And I say the <laughs> same thing to everybody else. I would absolutely love to be in it. Yeah. I'm not expecting to be in it because. At the end of the day, that's a different, that's a story that they're sure. going to tell. And I would be honored to be in it, but it's not up to me. Uh, and that being said, I hear that movie's not for another six to seven years down the pipe. Oh, which no means way. They've got a lot more stuff because like Ahsoka's being dropped uh, yeah. this August. You've got Skeleton Crew, which is the same, uh, same time, timeline. Timeline. Yeah. And then, you know, you've, so you've got, you know, Favreau said he's written season four already. He also called you the Nick Fury, so that means you could be in all those things. <laughs> I think it would just be really nice. Uh, but it, it's just, yeah, it's one of those things where if you're a Star Wars fan, like you're, this is a golden age. It's a golden time. Absolute golden age. Because there was that that desolate period after uh, Return of the Jedi, and there was sure. nothing, right? Yep. No new toys. You had the expanded universe novels, and it wasn't until Timothy Zahn's Heir to the Empire comes out novelization form like oh and then some of the other books start coming out like rogue squadron and yep. reading about that and then you know the the smugglers run series of novels but i mean that's all we had really nothing in the way of toys until the prequels right until the prequels and so and the prequels you know, i remember the the first prequel i remember my friend i was living in seattle at the time and a friend of mine a good friend of mine and i we bought movie tickets to see the water boy just to see the Star Wars trailer of the first Phantom Menace. And I remember my friend shouted at the movie projector and said, play it again. (laughs) (laughs) I remember that for us. It was the movie. Was it meet Joe black? That's the one that everybody bought tickets for just to to watch the the Star Wars trailer. And then they all got up and marched out and demanded a refund like before the movie started. So it's just like, Oh my gosh, that's right. It was also the movie. Sorry, where everybody lined up for months in advance. Yep. Weeks in advance. Weeks in advance. So that's my my fascination is now there's a whole generation of people who that's their Star Wars. Yeah. You know, yeah. that the original trilogy is, you know, for their parents. But there's yeah. a, a 
And those people are now adults, you know, yeah. like they're, they're, they're in their twenties and thirties and they, you know, Anakin is their guy that that's, yeah. that's their, their thing. And, you know, for that, what I love that they've done, especially tales of the Jedi. Uh, I love that they're validating and making me want to see those prequels again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, well, when re- you saw the tales of the Jedi and the backstory of Dooku, yeah. now I want to see episode two again, yeah. because I want to, I want to see how the context changes Yep. when you see Christopher Lee and you know that he has this backstory that now, you know. Yeah. And, and that's the whole thing with the clone wars and rebels and whatnot. Yep. They're filling in the gaps that were left in the movies. I mean, the movies, when they first came out, there's a reason why they're, they're much maligned is because there are huge plot holes, huge leaps in logic and a lot of character sure. changes where you're like, I don't understand this. Like what, what? And so people were left kind of confused and not really liking it. Enter Dave Filoni and of course, George Lucas, and they do a little show called the clone wars and they fill in the gaps. Yep. They prop up the storylines. They give connections and meanings to all these things. So that when you rewatch all those prequel movies with that context, like you said, with tales of the Jedi, you go, Oh, this makes sense now. And it makes retroactively those movies better, better, but really as they stood by themselves, I still maintain they're not the best movies. It's because they have now a pantheon of backstory and context to support them. And I think with regards to the sequel trilogy, you talk about another generation that was there, you know, the, 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 the original trilogy was their parents, the prequel trilogy. Now they're having kids. And their kids, that's their jam. That's their original stars. It's a sequel trilogy. And Filoni and company with John Favreau, they're doing the same thing. They're filling in the gaps, giving... Well, you start to see the, the little guy that makes the droids. He's yep. from the sequel trilogy. The I think Zellans the whole plot yep. of Dr. Pershing... Dr. Pershing, by the way, played brilliantly by Omid Abtahi, mm-hmm. who uh, has been on this podcast, too. Uh, that was the first that was our first for foray into the Mandalorian. You are officially the second person from the Mandalorian to be on the show. <laughs> cool. uh, Omid is is wonderful. And I yeah. think I think what his whole plot. And if you think about the Bad Batch, mm-hmm. with which just concluded season two, it sounds like those two storylines are leading towards the sequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. And the resurrection of Palpatine. Yeah, they're all like, interconnected. You, you they're see the way this is, and 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 now if 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 Grogu, I love how you called him Grogu. Um, if 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 his character connects to that in any way, yep, you'll rewatch seven, eight, nine because oh, yeah. you want to see how it it, it plays yeah. together. The only thing I I thought about eight, seven, eight, nine. I'm curious to get your thought is, um, Ryan Johnson made such a departure. Mm-hmm. Almost like Ryan Johnson says F you to JJ Abrams, you know, like when Ray hands Luke the lightsaber and he just tosses it. Yeah. And it's almost like it, it it seemed like a pissing match between two directors. And then episode nine seems like they were just retconning episode eight because you know, and this is all speculation, but I don't think they planned to kill Snoke so quickly. And then all of a sudden now they need a bad guy. And who's the bad guy? Well, let's bring back Palpatine because that'll mm-hmm. be, you know, an Easter egg for fans. And mm-hmm. it just seemed like those movies were more about the politics of what was going on with Star Wars. And then when Disney Plus gets launched, it just seemed like er- everything calmed down. Mm-hmm. And you didn't need that sequel trilogy in the in the sense that what you did was you created more gaps that now you're going to plug in. Because mm-hmm. they can do another fifty years of this. They can. Mm-hmm. There, there are things in that storyline to continue to tell for fifty years. For as long as you and I are on this earth, there's going to be new Star Wars things coming. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, from what I'm, what I heard or what I read, there wasn't a cohesive plan to link, uh, you know, episodes seven, eight, and nine. Um, it was going to be they're going to have different directors, and they were going to take the the story in in, in the direction that they wanted. I think the idea was they were all going to pull in the same direction, and obviously mm-hmm. that's not what happened. Uh, right. I personally really did like The Last Jedi very, very much mm, because okay. it was a departure from the norm. I mean, if people want the original trilogy, just go watch it. It's there. It's not disappearing. As an older fan, I wanted to see something different. Uh, I know a lot of people took I umbrage. just didn't understand how those guys had so much trouble with those red stormtrooper guys. 
Oh, with the with the Praetorian Kylo Ren guards. is supposed to be this big badass, and all of a sudden he can barely get past these these three guards. It just seemed. Well, I mean, if you're gonna if you want to do that deep cut into who the Praetorians were and what they were all about, I mean, we <laughs> oh we can God. we can go round and round. How did I not know that. you two years ago? But <laughs> but I mean, those are especially that there's a reason why they are trained to protect the emperor, the head of the head of state, right? They, right? These are the elite of the elite. Some with low force sensitivity. They've got the armor, the weaponry. I mean, we we can we can talk about that in wow. plot armor and whatnot if you want. But uh, I mean, for me, just that change in direction, because you look at the arc, the trajectory of Luke Skywalker, and I know a lot of people really upset, including Mark Hamill, when they were shooting it, because they thought this is not a befitting end to to Luke Skywalker, Jedi Master and whatnot. But I kind of saw, you know, they what Ryan Johnson wanted to do, in my opinion, or what I saw from it, was the fact that they wanted to get away from bloodlines and royalty, and you had to have this, and you had to be of this family to be strong in the force of this or that. I mean, they wanted to make Star Wars more egalitarian for everybody, where the force could randomly, you could, anybody could be a Jedi in that sense, and really, really open it up and make it more, dare I say, inclusive. I know I'm going to get a bunch of the woke crowd getting all mad at me with their pitchforks and knives and, and, and stuff and saying, ah, but I mean, really (laughs) as a fan of something, if you love something, you don't gatekeep, you don't keep it to yourself go, no, I'm not going to share this information with you because you haven't earned it or you have to do the hard work or this or that. As a fan, I would go, you want to know something really cool about this? Did you know this? And like, you want to share that fandom so that more people are fans of it because it's not a contest. It's mm-hmm. not who's the greatest fan of all. And if you link your personality, your self-worth to how much you know about Star Wars, that's, I, you know, honestly, I think priorities in life need to be looked at at that point because it is a movie about plastic space people, right? Like they are dressed <laughs> in plastic armor. It is drawn from all these different narratives and tales. I mean, the movie started off as an adventure series for children, really. So let's not take it so seriously and remember to have fun with it too. We can be, and it doesn't mean you can't be have critical thought about it. Go, oh, well, what about this? And does this character arc make sense? But I remember back in the day when we would have these discussions and they would turn into arguments. Sometimes they were always civil. We wouldn't call people names. We wouldn't, uh, I don't know, threaten them with death. It would never get to the point of like right. horrible, horrible trolling that you see online now, which is absolutely vicious and cowardly in my and opinion. Ugly. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's no like there's no room for discourse, for spirited discourse. That's the exciting thing because at the end of the day, you could disagree with somebody of course. and still share your love for that, whatever that is, right? Of course. And you know, just because you're against I mean, it's become so divisive now and it's kind of ridiculous. And it, it's exhausting to be honest, to see that kind of arguing over you know, this or that, you kind of go, well, you know, guess what? It's canon now. You're mad because his knee ca- his 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 knee pads were upside down in the Mandalorian. It's like, well, guess what? They're canon now, so you better get over it. Oh, I don't see that. I I I so, I, I stay away from from the that detail. Right. You know? So I, I've seen it though. Like you see it, no, and it's just like, wow, just so that pulled you out of the whole episode, did it? Couldn't enjoy anymore. <laughs> you had to stop right there and take a deep breath, put your head between uh, your knees and go. How could they have ruined it like that? Like, okay. <laughs> my uh, my my favorite uh, criticism of uh, the show uh, was when they knew Carrie Fisher died in yeah. nine, and she gets blown up, and you have a perfect way to kill her, and they made her like Mary Poppins, and all of a sudden she can fly through space, and I said, "Wow!" I was like that seemed like a lot harder to do as opposed right. to like, to me, I just wondered like, you know, obviously it was a tragedy when she died, but she died and you had the opportunity to kill her and she died an honorable death. Like that's in for, for a rebel like that. That's how, how it goes. Uh, I, that was the one thing in episode nine that I never could get past. Yeah, I you know I can't speak to that uh, because I didn't realize that she had died while they were like um, she must have died while they were still editing the film then because she didn't right. die when they I mean they she died after I thought she died after episode eight came out and right. it was it, like just in between while they were shooting nine 
she passed right. away. She had that uh, on the airplane. So, you know, if that's the case, they've already edited it. There's not much they can do. But I right. mean, there's something really sad about, oh, she died. We have to kill her character off right now in the film. That means reshoots. That means all these different things. And is that really a befitting? That well, seems a, a bit prof- like a bit like profiteering. Right? Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, you know, you're damned if you do. You're damned if you don't. I think the decision that they made was the one that they thought was best in the end. Could it have been handled differently? Sure. Hindsight's 2020. We're all masters of, of that. Of course. But when you're in that moment, it's like, how do you respect Carrie Fisher? How do you respect uh Princess not not General Leia Organa? How do you yep. respect all that stuff and, and maintain that sense that sensitivity to this is much more than just the movie? Don't don't game sure. her. She's dead. We got to kill her off in the movies like that. You can't it's do that. Yeah, yeah. It's a legacy. Yeah. It's a legacy. So I, I, you know, I would, I would posit that, that there was a moment of brief humanity involved where everybody was just grieving her loss. And it's like, this is done. We will deal with this in a different way. And that mm-hmm. hopefully pays homage to her uh, and, and gives her legacy. Like you said, yeah, the respect and the, the reverence it is due. I, I love it. I, I love it. And I love that they were able to revisit Leia in the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. Yeah. And have a young Leia, like yeah. out of nowhere. Like, again, it's just, it's taking those heartstrings, like you said, mm-hmm. and just playing on them. I, I, I think the whole thing is Star Wars is in such a good place. Paul, I could do this with you all, all day. Uh, I have an idea. Why don't we why don't you take a break? Can you come back in a couple of weeks and we can finally talk about the masterpiece that is Kim's Convenience? Absolutely. This time I promise to respond to your emails in a timely fashion because well, my wife is on it. I, <laughs> so she'll keep me organized. That's the way to find her. That's the way to find her. <laughs> that's right. Paul Sung-Young Lee. He will be back in just a couple of weeks. Next week, we're going to review The Mandalorian, or at least that's the plan. We may swap it out with the following week, which is an amazing tribute to the late Richard Donner, the creator of Superman the movie, as well as many, many, many other things. Paul Sung Young Lee is Carson Tiva in The Mandalorian. He's also Appa from Kim's Convenience. We're going to do a special Kim's Convenience episode in a couple of weeks, right here on the Hall of Justice. We'll see you then. Believe it or not, I'm walking on it.